0: Welcome to the Celebration Church Orlando podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. We're going to transition now into the the message today. And I'm so, so excited about the word that God has placed on my heart for us today. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go ahead and and join me in 1 Kings chapter 19. First Kings chapter 19. You may remember that we spent some time in First Kings last week, and so we're going to kind of continue where we left off that. As we're turning there, I do want to just go ahead and, and, and highlight and, and again welcome everyone who is joining us possibly for the first time. So church, for those of us who are um, watching online, can we put our hands together and, and welcome everyone who's watching us online and those who are checking us out through the podcast later. We're so, so glad that you are here if you're ever in the Orlando area, we want to invite you to come in and worship with us. There's several ways that you can connect and stay engaged with us. You can go and register for our services right online. We do our social distancing and do everything we can do to keep you safe. I'm excited about this season. and, And as I look at what this moment is for us, I truly believe that the Bible talks about where there's two or three that are gathered in the name of Jesus, that he's there in the midst. And, and I believe that every time that we gather together in the name of Jesus with a, a dedicated focus on him, that he meets us exactly where we are. And what often determines our ability to, to get a breakthrough or to get a revelation is the, really the posture of our heart. So over the next few moments, my, my prayer, my hope is that we can lean into what it is that God wants to speak to us today. I don't believe that there's any such thing as a coincidence that God has led you here for such a time as this. Well, guys, 2021, we made it. Somebody's excited about it. Some, some aren't. 2021, guys, we made it. <laughs> I, I, was, I was thinking a lot about like, okay, like 2021. And I was really thinking of like, what are some ways that I can just begin to kind of get the gears going a little bit, some ways that we can kind of celebrate um, this season. So I came up with a couple of slogans. So by, by your applause, I'm gonna, I'm gonna know which one I'm gonna lean into. So 2021, here's a phrase, 2021, we made it. We made it because sometimes just making it out of 2020 is something worth celebrating. So, 2021, we made it. Let's put it on a bumper sticker. Let's celebrate the fact that we made it through 2020. But then the other, the other slogan, the one that I'm leaning a little bit more towards is 2021. It's got to get better from here. It's like it's it's only up from here, guys. Like we started from the bottom. Now we're here. Like, we're, we're, making, we're making progress. I believe that this is a year that we can expect God to do some incredible things. But, but also, as I'm thinking about what this year is, what it represents, what it means for all of us. It's, it's, it's recognizing that we have new opportunities and, and we have permission to dream and begin to move forward. That's what this year does for us. It gives us the space and permission to do that. And so for me, I've been considering what are some things that I'm going to endeavor to do in 2021 that I didn't do, didn't get a chance to do, or was reluctant to do in 2020 or even the years before that. I realize that sometimes you have to, you have to upgrade your dreams. Because if we, if we don't upgrade our dreams, we downgrade the possibilities and end up living in a nightmare of regret. Would y'all catch that? Sometimes you have to upgrade your dreams because if not, we downgrade the possibilities and end up living in a nightmare of regret. And what I don't want to do is end up allowing what 2020 was to keep me from dreaming for what God wants to do with me in this next season. And I end up missing out on what could potentially be in front of me. So I've been thinking a little bit about what are some things I want to engage in this year that I did not get a chance to do last year? What are some things that I feel like could be opportunities for me to kind of spread my wings a little bit? And some of them are, are very deep and spiritual. Some of them are dealing with family, but some of them are a little recreational. And so I've decided that 2021 is going to be the year that I am going to go hunting. So let me address the black elephant in the room people that, that look like me typically don't go into the woods with people that don't look like me with guns. It's just a lot of history there. So it's something that we tend to avoid. I want to speak for all of us, but I stand on good authority and saying that that's an area that we typically scale back in. However, I have so many friends that have been nudging me and encouraging me to kind of step into this space that I'm like, you know what, this is the year that I'm going to give it a shot. Now, now truth be told, it's, I did go hunting once before and, and it wasn't, a good experience. In fact, it was, it was downright terrifying. After all of the peer pressure, reluctantly, I decided, okay, I'm going to go. This happened a couple years ago and I still remember it just as if it was yesterday. I remember the, the excitement of, of waking up at three o'clock in the morning. It was freezing outside. I'm like, man, people actually pay to do this. Um, but then I get taken out into the woods. I get dropped off at this tree stand and it is pitch black. I'm, I'm put up into this tree stand. I don't see anything, and all I begin to do is I just begin to hear all these these noises. I begin to hear all this distraction. Now I'm not sure if you know what it feels like to sit in this space where you can't see anything, but you're hearing a lot of noise. It's almost like Blair Witch Project. I just wanted to get my phone out and just like have like a last will and testament to my wife. I was I was terrified. It was it was overwhelming to my senses as I began to think about I have I have I have the arsenal. I have a weapon. I have ammunition, but it's so dark I can't even see what I'm aiming at. I'm hearing a lot of different sounds that has me terrified. I don't know what's going on out here. I'm freezing, I'm shivering, and I'm thinking to myself, why would anyone ever sign up for this? It's so dark. I felt like I was having sensory overload because I'm pretty sure all of us know that feeling of of being in a place where where you have heightened senses and you can't see, but you you know that you need to move forward, but but it's dark and and it's it's cold and you don't have proper direction. And what I've just described may feel like what 2020 was for many of us. I have the I have the arsenal of faith. I, I even have the ammunition of prayer, but it's so dark. I don't know where the target is. I don't have clarity. I don't have perspective. And while I'm sitting on this thing of this joy that I'm supposed to have in Christ, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. This is the reality that I found myself in a couple of years ago. But I believe that this is a reality that many of us find ourselves in right now. This idea of like, yes, I'm a person of faith, but I don't even know what to do with it. And it feels quite overwhelming right now. You see, the Bible tells us a story about these two individuals that I believe that sometimes we can miss the human side of calling. We can miss the human side of, of stepping into the thing that God is ultimately calling us to do. See, last week we talked about this prophet named Elijah, Elijah with a J, and how he, his ministry was birthed as a result of tension that he experienced this tension and it activated calling. It, it activated his ability to recognize his vulnerabilities, but it also drew him closer to God. I think we, we recognize that tension can give birth to some things that can ultimately help us to grow. But there was a moment where you can clearly see that he was overwhelmed. It, so overwhelmed that the fact that he felt isolated and alone, that he, he retreated from the, the mission field that God had called him to go to. He ended up going out to a cave and, and dealing with where he was, and he made this statement to God. Lord, I am all alone. I'm, I alone am the only one that has been standing on your behalf and, and God encouraged him and said, man, you're not alone. There's actually a community of people that I have preserved and kept. In fact, I need you to get up and go back and find your predecessor because I am not done with you yet. That was kind of the crescendo last week is that God is not done with us yet. And what I want to do is I want to pick up exactly where we left off. This moment where Elisha is so overwhelmed and fearful that he's all alone. But then God speaks to him and gives him some instructions to help him to move forward. Starting at verse number 19, the Bible says, Elijah left there and there being that isolated place out in the wilderness. He left there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, as he was plowing. Twelve teams of oxen were in front of him and he was with the twelfth team. Elijah walked by him and threw his mantle over him. Elisha, left the oxen, ran to follow Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and mother and then I will follow you. Go back, he replied, for what have I done to you? In other words, he was saying, okay, go back, but don't forget what's happened here. Don't forget that you've been called. Don't forget this mantle is now on your shoulders. Verse 21, so he turned back and from following him, he took the team of oxen and slaughtered them. And with the woods oxen yoke, he took the plow and he cooked the meat and he gave it to the people and they ate. Then he left, he followed Elisha, and he served him. I love how this this phrase is put together in the New King James Version because it says that he stood, that he followed, and he served him. Today I want to talk a little bit about this idea of, of moving forward and trying to figure out how do I resolve the conclusion of one season while stepping into the next season and not allowing myself to get inundated or overwhelmed with what it lays in front of me. If you're taking notes, I want you to simply write this topic down because I think it's one that can anchor us as we go into this new year. I've entitled today's message, Overwhelmed. Let's pray and let's see what it is that God wants to speak to us today. Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us to gather in your name. I pray over the next few moments that you give us open eyes that we can see you, open ears that we can hear you, and open hearts that we can receive what it is that you have for us, God. God, I I invite you to to inspire us, to challenge us, to convict us, and to help us to move forward. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, when I I think about this idea, this concept of of being overwhelmed, it's something that I would say that many of us are undoubtedly familiar with. Uh, a, A practical definition of overwhelmed is simply this. It's defined as being given too much of something. Just given too much, like I just, this is just too much for me to handle. It means to be inundated. It means to have a strong emotional effect. It means when too much effect is provided. And as some of you in here understand what that feels like when you can feel overwhelmed by uh, by someone else's cologne or perfume. We know what that feels like from time to time. We know that feeling. We know what it feels like for some of y'all that are single to be overwhelmed by somebody that keeps hitting you up and dropping and sliding in your DMs. We know what that feels like to be overwhelmed. And it's like, man, slow back. I, I As a as a now a grandfather, I'm recognizing that I I understand that there's a limit to my awareness in the game. I'm trying my best to, to help my son, Caleb, who's 16, with how to navigate through this, this minefield of relationships. But I also understand that, man, I've been out of the game for 25 years. My, my knowledge and wisdom as it relates to relationships has died a long time ago. So I'm like, hey, son, did you, did you text her? Did you call her? He's like, dad, no one does that anymore. I'm like, man, like what happened to just good old fashioned I like you, I'm gonna give you a phone call. I remember back when I was coming up, you would simply like send a note, do you like me? Yes or No. And for me, I only had one box, yes. You didn't have an option to say no. You didn't have an option to say maybe. You didn't have an option to say I think about it. It was just yes, because why wouldn't you? But I remember the good old days, but I realized that there's, there's a limitation to it. So now I'm learning in this culture that you don't want to overwhelm somebody by responding, engaging too quickly. So we know what it feels like to be overwhelmed where it seems like there's too much that is happening all at the same time. Another definition of overwhelmed is to be buried down or to drown under a heavy mass. That, that doesn't sound fun at all, to be bogged down, to be, to be weighed down. And with those definitions, I think there are times that we can feel overwhelmed at work where we have so many things that are in front of us. I, I like to say it this way. We don't have a lot of time on our hands, but we have a lot of hands on our time. There's a there's a lot of things that need to get done, but I just don't have enough time or, or capacity or capability to do it. And we know what it feels like to feel like this is weighing down too much on me. I feel a little overwhelmed. I think this season exposed how we can even feel overwhelmed when we're at home. Doing our best to navigate through a season for some of us who are working from home while simultaneously trying to stay um, adequately connected to community while somehow trying to, to parent and help your kids with their schoolwork while still trying to be engaged with your spouse or in your relationships. That, that feeling of, of having so many things in front of you but not knowing quite how to process through it. We could feel overwhelmed even at school. I've, I've watched my, my son as he's been engaged in, in school and what on the surface seems to be a fairly simple thing to do, it can be very challenging and frustrating when you're trying to learn remotely and it seems as if the teacher is overwhelmed and you're wondering, is this, is this really going to stick or, or make a difference at all? I think that there's times that we can even be overwhelmed when it comes to our next steps because the truth be told, there's a lot of pressure that can sometimes come with going into a new year, a new season. At this time of year, undoubtedly, we've looked on the internet, we've seen on social media, we've seen all the the wisdom that's available to us, the 38 things that I learned in 2020, the five leadership principles that's going to help you. And you're thinking to yourself, man, like, I just... I just survived and made it through 2020. I I don't have even vision for 2021 yet. Am I talking to anybody in here that that knows what it feels like, that you want to have goals, you want to have plans, you want to have things all mapped out, and we can look at other people that seem to be so clear about what they're going to do going into the next year, and you're like, man, I'm just glad that I made it. That feeling of feeling overwhelmed, like, man, am I behind a gun? I haven't even started my Bible reading plan yet, and today is the third day of January. Is it too late? Do I just wait until next year? We can feel overwhelmed because sometimes we don't feel like we have it all together. We don't have all the clarity. You see, this is the reality that we often find ourselves in emotionally, and sometimes we can think that in Scripture that we had these superheroes in the Bible that didn't deal with some of the same feelings and emotions that we deal with as well. See, except for Jesus, they all were flesh and blood. Except for Jesus, they all had responsibilities and things that they had to navigate. And when we look at this particular narrative, we see opportunities for people to feel overwhelmed. Remember for Elijah, the first Elijah, that he had this this weighty responsibility of being this prophet that was going to confront the culture and represent the kingdom of God. But then there was this moment where he completely felt overwhelmed because he felt isolated. He felt alone and he began to remove himself from his calling but it was time for him to transition to the next season. And, and even in that, there's a little bit of overwhelming that can take place because we know that every new season creates new opportunities. But with every new opportunity, also creates new obstacles. And what I believe for some of us, that we could be in that in-between space of being like Elijah, where we feel isolated and alone and overwhelmed, or we could be like Elisha, who's isolated in the field and don't know if God's ever going to use you to do anything different than what you're doing right now. I believe that there is a tension to manage between the narrative of these two individuals. And I believe there are some points that if we can pull from that, that can anchor us and really set us up as we're going into 2021. Today, I've given you guys a couple of bonus points. We're going to talk about six things that I think can help us as we go into 2021. Three things that we should avoid and three things we should absolutely do going into 2021. Here's the first thing. We're going to to try to hit through some of these fairly quick. Here's the one thing I want you to avoid. Write this down, put it in your soul, get it embedded into your heart. Let this be the year that we avoid comparison. Let this be the year that we avoid comparison. I see you over there, sister. I'm with you and thank you. Avoid comparison. Avoid comparison. I'm going to look at the camera. Avoid comparison. Let this be the year that we avoid comparison. Let's, let's break this all down. What scholars believe is they believe that Elisha, the second one, that he was a businessman, that he was functioning inside of his father's and his parents' business, that as a businessman, that he was he was overseeing the, the work that was happening out in the field. And as he was out in the field, he would, he would be able to watch and, and see what was going on, that he's this man that was isolated in the field. But undoubtedly, he was very familiar with the ministry of Elijah. Elijah was this world-renowned prophet at this point. He was very familiar with him, but Elisha was in the field. I can, I can imagine for Elisha, the second one, that, that while he's out in the field, just managing his family's business, that there are, there are moments that he's wondering to himself, I, I, wonder, I wonder if this is it for me. I know I may have went to school for this, but I feel like there's something else on the inside of me. The fact that a mantle was placed on his shoulder, that means that God was already stirring something on the inside of him, but his calling didn't match his assignment. So now he's out in the field plowing, being faithful to the environment that he was in, but often wondering, is this it for me? See, sometimes it can be overwhelming to sit in silence and listen to the echo of wasted potential. To feel like, man, I, I know that there is more in me than this. I know that I have more that I can contribute to this. But right now, I'm just here plowing the field. It could be overwhelming to do the everyday things without clarity for the future. He's just out in the field, isolated, just plowing this field, wondering if this could be it for me. Looking at his friends' social media feed and seeing that they're very active, that they look very vibrant, that their life looks good. But here I am. I'm just I'm just plowing the field looking at what's happening around us and finding himself saying, compared to them, man, my life looks very stale and, and boring. I'm just out here plowing this field. We all can find ourselves in that space where we can look at our lives, but then begin to look at other people's lives and we do this comparison thing and we can begin to feel a little bit in our feelings about where I'm at versus where this individual is at, man, we went to school at the same time. They graduated just like I did, but but it looks like they're further along than me. They're doing so much better than me. And then that comparison can sometimes compel us to walk away from the very thing that God has called us to do. We got to be careful about when we overly scroll because it's possible that can grip your soul. That you can find yourself looking at everything that's happening with everyone else, and now all of a sudden it begins to get a hold of us because we begin to compare things like, well, when I posted this picture, this person didn't like my picture, but they liked that person's picture. Or when I text that person, they didn't respond to me. We can find ourselves comparing ourselves to others, and it can cause us to lose contentment. Here's a case in point. If you if you follow me on, on social media, you may have noticed that on, on Christmas evening that my that my family and I that we posted a picture of us posing together. Do we have that we have that picture I want to show of me and my family? Look at that, look at that photo. Got our matching pajamas on. Let me see if I can mimic that pose. Just, just 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 chilled and laid out. So so here's what here's what I found when we when we posted this picture. Watch. So when I posted this picture, we began to get inundated with all types of comments and responses. Oh my gosh, the family, you guys look so great. Oh, me and my spouse, I wish that they would wear matching pajamas with me as well. And, and, and that's perfectly fine, but, but, but here's the point. As I began to look at some of the comments and seeing how people were reacting to it, here's, here's what we didn't post. Here's what you didn't see. We, we were actually supposed to take that picture on Christmas Eve. Reason why we didn't is because we accidentally wrapped up all the pajamas, didn't know which gift it was in, so we had to wait till Christmas morning to unwrap them in order for us to put it on but wait, there's more. We ended up going out to an amusement park on Christmas day. So we went out, we came back home. And when we got home, we were exhausted. Like nobody wanted to take the picture, but we knew if we didn't take the picture today, we were going to miss our window of opportunity to do it. So we said, everybody go to your room, put on the pajamas so we could take this picture. You're going to smile. You're going to be happy about it because Jesus was born. Meet me back here in the living room in exactly five minutes. We get into the living room, and everybody's there. They're tired, half asleep, sitting at the table, but nonetheless, here we are. Then we begin to take the photos, and it was so impossible for, I'm looking at you, Megan, for my wife to find the photo that she was good with, and then my daughter. So find the photo that was going to work best for them, so here we are, about 30 pictures in. Me and my son are over it at this point. We're over it. Like we're just, we're taking pictures over and over again. And we finally found the one that was going to work. Post it. We're done. I'm going to sleep. Don't talk to me till tomorrow. But the end result is what everybody celebrates, but they don't see the grind that it took to get there. What often happens with comparison, we end up comparing what someone frames to our season of development. We, we end up comparing our road trip with someone else's final destination. We we end up comparing the end result or the thing that no one else sees to our season of grinding, our season of sacrifice. We love to post pictures of our vacation, but we very rarely show the sacrifice, the cost, and what it took to get there. And then you can have people that may be in the season of development comparing their season of development to someone else's end result, and they stop being content with where they are. You see, for for Elisha... It would be possible for him to get consumed and overwhelmed with comparison looking at his life because he's just plowing in a field and it doesn't seem significant. But the reality of it is this, if he were to leave the field because he was comparing himself to someone else, he would have missed the mantle that was coming to find and meet him where he was. You may be just in a field plowing right now. You may be on the assembly line right now, but God knows how to meet you where you are. Many of us are saying, I'm waiting for God, but God is waiting for us to be at the place where he told us to be last because that is where he's speaking. That is where our assignment is. That's where the mantle is. The Bible says about David that he was out in the field, that he wasn't even invited to go into the fire father's house when they were looking for the next king. David could have got consumed with comparison. He could have tried to bogle faithful to the field that he was in and that the anointing of God knew how to meet him where he was. I'm talking to somebody right now that feels very unstable right now. You've been comparing yourself to other people and you've been trying to move yourself in a position to get God's blessing, but the Bible that I read tells me that God knows how to find you in the wilderness, that God knows how to find you in the field. You keep on plowing. You keep on being faithful, and I promise you that the mantle of God will meet you exactly where you are, but don't don't. Don't you allow comparison to whisper in your ear to stop you from being content with where you are. Don't you move from where you are. Let this be the season where we avoid comparison because comparison can kill character. It can compromise our calling and cause us to miss out on what God is calling us to do. The mantle came and met Elisha where he was because he was faithful to the field that God had called him to be in. The other thing I want us to do this year is I want us to avoid looking for man's approval. Avoid looking and living for man's approval. The Bible says that after Elijah meets him where he's at, he puts the mantle on him. Now, mantle is symbolic of calling, purpose, destiny. It's this outer cloak that was very symbolic and it was very clear that you were being discipled. So this mantle meets Elisha where he's at in the field. And his response when that mantle meets him, his response when that calling lands upon him is he says, hey, I need to go back and, I need to go back and tell my parents about what's going on and, and then I'm going to follow you to which Elijah says, man, go ahead and do it, but, but don't forget what happened here. Now, now let me unpack this for a moment. Of course, it's healthy for someone when the calling of God meets you where you are for you to process it with other people. The Bible even tells us that in a multitude of counselors, there is safety, but, but there's something here that I want us to, to pay attention to. In the Bible, when it says that I want to go back and kiss my parents, symbolically, that was a sign of acceptance or approval. And then his father's name, Shaphat, that name means judgment. So, so let's put this together for a moment, that, that when the calling of God landed on Elisha's shoulders, his first reaction was to go back and get the approval of his parents, to go back and try to not endure his father's judgment. Again, it's healthy to have accountability, but we got to be careful about when we live our lives that when God meets us where he is, where we are, he begins to stir our hearts to step into a new season, that our initial reaction is to go back and look for man's approval. See, this new calling was placed on his shoulder, and it's a lot to process through. This new thing was put in front of him, but while he's in the process of shifting into this new season, he wanted to go back and get his parents' approval. We all know what it feels like to have people in our lives that seem to be very, very opinionated about everything we do. We know what it feels like to to feel like we can't move forward if we don't get the endorsement of certain people. And sometimes it can prevent us from going into the next season that God is calling us to do because we're living a life where we're waiting for man's approval. And listen to me, it can be exhausting to live for the approval of others. It can be exhausting when we're living and making decisions for the benefit of others so we don't just have to hear other people's feedback. Feedback is important, but sometimes feedback can hold us back. We know that feeling of that weight. There's something that I've learned in 2020. It's something that that should have been in front of me the entire time, but it became very clear to me. And if I think if we can resolve this in our hearts, it will change the way that you engage everything that you do. Here, listen to me closely. If you could put this in your spirit, everything you do will disappoint somebody. Let that settle for a second. Everything that you do, there will be somebody that will critique it every decision you make there will be someone that has something to say about it this season has exposed more than ever that we have critics and experts at things they've never done but nonetheless if we're not careful we'll find ourselves being double-minded because we don't know what to do because of the commentary of everybody else man pandemic hits should we be in church should we not be in church racial tension hits should we say something or should we not say something This constant tension of what can I do? What can I not do? What can we say? What can we not say? And I'm pretty sure all of us have dealt with that at some degree. And what can happen is in an effort to get likes from man, we can miss the well done from God. Eight people are excited about that. So I'm going to say it again until the rest of us do. In an effort to get likes from man, we can miss the well done from God. That sometimes God is going to put something on your heart that may not make sense to everybody else. That sometimes God's going to lead you to do something that may not make sense to everybody else. But I've made up my mind that in 2021 I'm going to live my life in such a way that I'm going to pursue what God tells me to do. And I'm going to, of course, vet it with the right people, but I'm not going to live for likes from man because I want to get the well done from God. If you can live this season recognizing that this is a year that if God speaks to me to go left, I'm going to go left. I know that the people on the right are going to be upset, but I'm following what God says. If God tells me to go right, then I'm going to go right. I know that the people on the left are going to be upset, but I'm going to follow what God tells me to do. I believe that if we can make so much progress, if we stop trying to get approval from man because we know that we're following God, I'm approved by God. I know that God has spoken to me. I'm going to vet it through the proper community, but I'm not going to shrink back. I'm not going to fall back because I am not going to live for the approval of others because I'm pursuing the thing that God has called me to do. Let this be a year where we refuse to allow the voices of others to keep us doing what God is calling us to do. Here's the the third thing here that I want us to do. Avoid looking back. Avoid looking back. See, what what Elisha does is when he kind of gets that course correction, he goes back, and instead of him going to his parents' house, the Bible says that he goes back, that he breaks apart the plow, he sets it on fire, and then he slaughters the oxen, and then he feeds the community with it. There is so much that we can hit on with that. But, but time won't permit me. But, but here's the thing. What we see that Elisha does is he recognizes that as long as I know that I have a plan B, I will never be fully into plan A. As long as, long as I know that, hey, if this whole ministry thing don't work out, I'm actually going to just go back out into the field. Then, then you can completely miss out on what, God is calling, on what God is calling him to do. Elisha goes back and he destroys the system that would be easy for him to go back to. And I can think that sometimes for us, that as God is calling us and compelling us to step into a new season, that we want to make sure that we leave the bridge to go back to our past available to us. We want to make sure that we play it safe. But what I've read in this Bible is that God is, a lot of things, safe isn't one of them. That faith is risky. That that following and not having all the information is risky. I, I wonder if Abraham had the same logic that we had, what would his story turn out to be? The Bible says that God showed up and said, hey man, I need you to follow me to a land that I'm going to show you. He followed. Sometimes for us, we can, okay, I'll follow you, but let me leave 38 breadcrumbs for me to go back to the past, so that way if this whole thing doesn't work out, then then I'll know how I get back. But what Elisha does is he makes a decision in his mind that there's no way for me to truly grab a hold of the future as long as I'm processing what happened in the past. I think for some of us as we go into this new season, yes, of course, it's smart to, to count the cost, to evaluate all the options that are in front of us. But when God stirs your heart, let us be people that says that I am not going to look back anymore. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind, I'm pressing forward to the mark, the high calling of Christ Jesus, understanding that I am not going to look back. Because as I look back, I lose momentum. If I look back, I can lose focus. If I look back, I will stop appreciating what God is calling me to go through. And sometimes moving forward requires faith. Sometimes moving forward means I don't have all the facts, but it's going to draw me closer to God. If we could be people in this season to say that I am going to move forward and I'm not going to look back. Elisha broke apart the system that would have been easy for him to go back to. He didn't want to be held bondage to the past. You see, I've learned, church, that bondage isn't what limits your movement. Bondage is what limits your mind. And as long as my mind can find an escape route, I'll never be faithful to the possibilities that's in front of me. Scripture says that Elisha, he broke apart the system, that he he had to change his mind. He had to change the way that he could go back to the past. But as a result of that, they were able to slaughter the animals, and he fed the community. Don't miss this. His obedience was able to nourish other people. Y'all catch that. As a result of him being obedient, it was able to feed his community. What if the hunger that people have can be met on the other side of our obedience? What if, if I could be faithful with what God is calling me to do, that somehow is going to be the benefit of other people with Elisha. The moment that he decided, I'm not going to go back. I'm not, I'm going to burn this bridge. I'm going to let it burn. Like Usher says, I'm going to let this thing burn. I'm not going back, but I'm going to pursue everything that somehow it can nourish the people in your community. It can nourish the people in your family when they can see that you've decided to pursue God and that you're not going to go back to the systems of the world that was presented before you. That Elisha, that he does a great job and not going back. I want to close with this. Verse 21 says that Elijah rose, that he followed and he became his servant. You see, we talked about the three things that we should avoid this year. But real quickly, I want to tell you the three things that we have to absolutely do in order for us to truly have peace going to a year that still can sometimes seem a little unclear. The Bible says that he took a stand, that he arose, that he stood up. See, the first thing I want us to do is stand on the Word of God. Going into this season, stand on the Word of God. As you're facing opposition, stand on the Word of God. Here's what we don't stand on I'm not gonna stand on my feelings, I'm not gonna stand on my ambitions, I'm not gonna stand on my discomfort. What you build on is what you stand on, and what you stand on will determine your stability. Stand on God's word. Stand on God's word. In this season, you're going to have moments that are going to come against the very thing that God is calling you to do. Stand on God's word. Jesus says that flesh and blood will pass away, but my word will never pass away. We have to engage in God's word in this season. We have resources here at Celebration that can make it a little bit easier for you. We all have tons of Bible reading plans. But if we can set up a rhythm where I'm going to live my life engaging the word of God, praying through the scriptures and allowing my faith to be anchored in that, then I won't be tossed to and fro by every external circumstance that may present itself to me. Stand on God's word. See, our peace should be determined by our content, not our context. Here's what I mean by that context or external situations. Content means on what's in the inside of me. External situations are things that I can't always control. But as I stand on God's word and I get that on the inside of my heart, no matter what the context is, I can still have peace. I can still have strength. I can still have stability. I think if anything 2020 revealed to us is it revealed the things that were rooted in the things of God and it revealed the things that weren't. But if you can be a person that says that in this season, I am going to anchor myself and stand on God's word. I'm going to engage God's word. I'm going to read the word of God. I'm going to make sure that I'm engaging in this content that I know that can strengthen my soul. Well, here's the second thing that I want us to do. Be followers. The scripture says that he stood and he followed. We live in a world now that we are obsessed with leadership. Every every podcast Go into a bookstore right now. Like, do bookstores still exist? I know right now we're all digital, but if you go into a bookstore right now, you'll see an entire section on leadership. You see nothing about followership. We're so consumed with leading, but you have to ask yourself, where am I going? Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. We're obsessed with leadership, but I did Crazy enough, the Scripture doesn't emphasize that. It always talks about us being followers. Because if I'm an adequate follower, then I can model what does it mean to lead. So this year, we have permission to use the F word. Follow. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow His voice. I'm going to follow what God says and not what my feelings say or what circumstances say. We want to be followers of the things of God. If I'm not effectively following, I can't impactfully lead. Here's what we need to do. We need to follow God. And the way that we follow God is is making sure that we actually are hearing from him. So starting next week, we're going to start our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And you know what that does? That helps us to detach from all the distractions that are out there in the world and allows us to hear God's voice more clearly so we can make sure that we're following him. So for those of you that I talked to earlier that I said like, man, like, do you have your goals all lined out for the whole year? And some of us don't. I know that I don't. I typically don't put that pressure on myself in the beginning of January. What I do is I typically will wait until the end of my fast and that gives me the clarity of what the rest of the year is going to look like. I'm not saying that that's a a prescription for you, but take the pressure off of yourself of having to have everything figured out in the beginning of January. The best way for me to set goals is to make sure that I'm hearing more clearly from God so I'm following what he wants me to do instead of allowing my flesh to lead me into a direction that may not be God's best for my life. Let us be followers of God, and the way that we do that is center ourselves in positions where we can hear more clearly from him. Here's the last and final thing that Elisha does that I can think can be a model for us. It says that he, that he stood on God's word, that he followed Elijah and became his servant. The third thing I want us to do this year is to serve, to follow, to, to be people that, that stand on God's word, but then to also serve. Serve God's cause, serve God's people, serve God's house. Scripture said about Elisha is that he served Elijah faithfully. The mantle was placed on his shoulders, but he went six years of just being a servant before he was activated into the fullness of the ministry that God was calling him to do, that he knew how to be a servant. See, serving was a requisite for increased stewardship, that a lot of times we want opportunities for God to put more into our hands, but God wants to know, are you willing to use your hands to serve those that are around you? Serve your family. Serve serve your community serve in your church. Right here, I know right now as I'm listening to people and watching folks online and those that are sitting in this room, I can already feel in my heart there are people that are with us that God has given you profound gifts. And right now you may feel like Elisha that's just out plowing the field and wondering if it makes any difference. But God is placing a mantle on your shoulders right now and he's saying that the way that you're going to activate your calling is by learning to serve for my family and I, when we walked into the doors of Celebration Church almost 15 years ago, man, I was sitting in a seat just like you were. And I remember going into this gigantic church and me thinking to myself, this church doesn't have need of me. So I was reluctant in getting involved. I knew that I had a calling. And much like Elisha, I was grinding. I was, I was plowing the field, working in the school system, which is amazing. But I knew that God was calling me to do something different. But it wasn't until... I decided to respond to that, and I just started serving as an usher. Serving as an usher led me to one thing that led me to another, and now you guys are listening to me right now. I'm not saying that this is the end-all be-all, but what I'm saying is the thing that God had placed on my heart over 20 years ago, I didn't get a chance to step into it until I started to serve. What is it that God has placed on your heart? What are the things that you know that God is stirring you to do? For some of you, you have incredible voices. Maybe God is calling you to serve in a community so that you can start leading us in worship. For some of you, you have an incredible teaching gift, and maybe it's for you to start serving in our equipped crew as we're beginning to pastor and disciple our people. For others of us, maybe you have an anointing when it comes to to serving families and and children. You have a great gift of teaching and patience. Maybe you need to start serving in our kids' ministry. For some of us, we have a passion for for working with students, and maybe this is an opportunity for you to engage in that. Maybe you just want to help create an atmosphere for folks to come in and feel welcome in the same way that you were. The list goes on. But there are opportunities for you to serve in this house and in our community, but we have to respond to it. What is it that God has stirred and put on your heart that you're not stepping in right now? Maybe, maybe that if you just begin to open up and serve, that you can do that. At the end of the service, we're going to create space for you to be able to to take that next step if that's what God's calling you to do. You can even do that now for those who are watching at home or even those who are with us now. You can simply text the word TEAM to 25101 And then you're gonna get a response on helping you to to find that gift, to activate that gift, and begin to serve in the house of God. How powerful is it that Elisha, this man who was out in the field all alone, that the calling of God met him where he was, and his response to that new opportunity was to stand on God's word? His response to that new opportunity was was to be a person that followed the calling of God and not his feelings but he served. And as a result of that, what scripture says is that he does double the miracles than his predecessor. That's overwhelming to think that a man who was out in isolation, that God would use him to do more exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think because he stood on God's word, because he made a decision not to look back, because he made a decision that he's not going to wait for man's approval, because he made a decision that he is going to serve. I think that we've been overwhelmed last year. And my prayer is that this year can be a year where we're overwhelmed as well. But instead of us being overwhelmed by the obstacles that are in front of us, I believe that God is calling us to be overwhelmed by his love for us, to be overwhelmed by his grace for us to be overwhelmed by the way that he involves us and includes us, to be overwhelmed by the potential that he has for all of us, to be overwhelmed by the fact that he calls us from isolation, to be overwhelmed by the fact that God will use you to do some incredible things for his kingdom, to be overwhelmed by his love, to be overwhelmed by his forgiveness, to be overwhelmed by his abundance, grace, and joy and freedom. Let this be a year where we are overwhelmed, but by overwhelmed by the size of our God, not the size of our obstacles. We're overwhelmed by the fact that God is with us and that even if we're facing obstacles and challenges, that God is with us and if God be for us then nothing can stand against us let this be a year that we are overwhelmed that we are undone, that we are consumed by the presence of God and not by the presence of our enemy, let us be overwhelmed this year knowing that if God is with me, then who can stand against me maybe you're with us right now and, and you know your next step is to simply surrender your life to Christ. There's nothing more overwhelming than that reckless love of God, that God saw us in our broken condition, that he laid his life down. He put himself in a position. He ultimately invited us to spend eternity with him. And all we need to do is accept that invitation. If that's you, maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching right now and you know that today is the, the first day of our service of the new year and you want to kind of put things in order. Maybe this is the day that you begin to say yes to Jesus and put him first. Maybe you've been away from God since January 1st of last year and that this is your service where you come back to, but I assure you that God is compelling you to be more than just a person that comes and see him on holidays, that he wants to have a weekly and daily relationship with you, and this is your opportunity to say yes to that. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, maybe you recognize that right now you're away from God, that if you take inventory of your soul, you know that that, that God is, he's calling you right now, that you're here for a reason, that you know that God is compelling you to a closer relationship. If that's you, I want to include you in this prayer. On a count of three, if you want to say yes to commit or recommit your life to Christ, putting things in order, having things in our proper place and being overwhelmed by the love that God has for you, if that's you, on a count of three, I want you to boldly lift your hand up. One, two, three. Amen. 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 My God. Amen. Church, can we put our hands together for everybody in here that is making that decision? Man, I am so proud of every person in here, even those who are watching online and listen to us later. What I want us to do now is um, I want us all to stand on our feet. And I want us all to pray this prayer together, celebrating and helping along those who are praying this prayer potentially for the first time. We're going to go back into worship for just a few moments and then Pastor Nate's going to come up and he's going to give you some instructions on some next steps for you to get connected, whether it be to serving or even next steps for those who are saying yes to Jesus. But as a family, as a community, can we all pray this prayer together, helping along those who are praying it potentially for the first time? The prayer isn't the thing that saves you, but we believe that that miracle of Jesus turning water to wine, that somehow our obedience and pouring out, we see a a transformation takes place. I believe that's what happens with the confession of our hearts. So let's say this all together. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead. And your word says, because of that belief, I am saved. Now fill me with your spirit and order my steps in Jesus' name. For the rest of us, I want to pray for us as we go back into this moment of worship. God, I thank you. I thank you so much, Lord, that that we have been overwhelmed by your love and your grace. And Father, I know that in a room like this, and for those who are watching right now, that we know that tension of of finding ourselves consumed with comparison, that we're looking back, Father, and that sometimes we can find ourselves in places where it's hard for us to grab a hold of what you have for us. But in the name of Jesus, I declare that we're going to avoid comparison, that the grass is not greener on the other side, that the grass is the greenest where we water it. We're going to be faithful where you've planted us, God. We're not going to get consumed with looking back, God. We're not going to have a plan B because we know that if you called us to plan A, your provision, your grace, and your peace is there. So, Father, Father, I pray that we could be people that stand on your word, God, that we could be people that, that will learn how to serve in your house and serve your cause and get connected to your community. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that for a peace that surpasses all understanding, stability for your people, and blessing over us in 2021, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And amen. Come on, church, let's worship together one more time. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you heard today. If you'd like more content like this, or you'd like to connect with us, go to celebrationorl.org. We hope you join us next time.